the Lord's doing such a deep work in I. And it feels like it's been uh, interrupted in a sense, but also the response is going to be so much intertwined with what, what, what we've experienced now. So, yeah, I want to ask you to open your hearts um, so that we yeah, can continue hearing what the Spirit's going to say tonight. Um, yeah, in every year around this time, Easter, I, f- I find myself overwhelmed at the gospel story over and over again. And, and the gospel story is so simple, yet it's life-changing. I think it was at the main spread that I mentioned recently. We, we sometimes are intimidated at the prospect of evangelizing because we, we think we're a, we're a salesperson. And um, the gospel is not selling us to an Eskimo. It's, um, it's a commodity that, that's, that there's only one source for, and that's Jesus Christ. And it's, it sells itself. And um, so every year, um, it's like I'm hearing it for the first time. And I've become aware of how little we can do to deserve it, but, but how... Um, lovingly and happily he gives it to us. Um, yeah, so um, for those who didn't, who weren't here last week, Benny shared on, on the first Adam, um, well, the Adam we all know, um, and how uh, his sin corrupted us, and how forever we had a, there's a nice English word for it, it's, let's call it a default setting, um, of how we would be sinful, and then how Jesus, being the second Adam, came, and how his um, death atoned for our sins. And if you haven't listened to it yet, it's, it's, very, it's a fresh take on it. And I, I really would encourage you to go and listen to that. Um, yeah. So, uh, oh, if you're taking notes, I always I have to title them. I feel the need to. So it's a famous last words. Um, and, yeah, as I was preparing, it's, it meandered a bit. Um, but the good thing about a, a river meandering, it's, uh, there's a median line that it, that it follows, more or less. Um, but the spirit is like a river and like a wind, and so I'm trusting that I'll find the center line tonight. Um, yeah, so I've got a great excitement in my heart tonight, um, and I don't know who shares that excitement with me, and there's a lot of things that we can be excited for. It can be for God expanding his kingdom, it can be when someone who's never heard the gospel responds to it for the first time, or when someone who we've been interceding and praying for for years, finally the penny drops, the Holy Spirit speaks to them, and they respond for the first time. I mean, that's the sort of stuff to get excited about, uh, other than all the temporary stuff. But in this season, I, I have such an excitement, and I am so, I'm homesick for heaven. I'm excited for Jesus to return. I don't know about you guys, but uh, it's like this... Um, super melodramatic saying that people always say, it's like you're missing someone you've never met. But it's not like that, because we've met Jesus. And um, it's like wanting to return to home, to a place. Um, so I've had this uh, sensation a few times before where you, you've spoken to someone, especially in business context. You've been working at a certain role for years. You've, you're always speaking to this one person, whether it be a supplier or a colleague, and then, or, or you, you hear about this place, and you always have a picture of something or someone in your mind. And when you get there, you're like, nothing, nothing like what I anticipated. And I, and I think um, the word gives us such a good indication of what heaven's going to look like. But whether the streets are going to be gold for real or whether it was a metaphor, the one thing is sure, and that is that we will be perfected when we get to heaven. And there will be no mourning and there will be no crying. And, and everything, um, I spoke to someone at youth this week and they said, um, they don't want to go to heaven because they want to be able to feel emotion. So I said, you feel emotional, right? Just not sadness. <laughs> 
because we're going to be in the glory of God. And he told me, I, it's being in heaven for eternity and singing holy, holy. It's like, I don't know, that sounds a bit boring to me. And I told him, you will not know anything else. When you see the light of God shining into your face, you will not be able to do anything else. Um, so I'm excited for heaven. And I don't know, is there anyone else who's excited to meet Jesus? Okay. Awesome. I'm glad I'm not alone in this. And, and during this time, it's, um, I think when the disciples saw Jesus going up into heaven, they were probably like that look your dog gives you before you leave for work. Like, <laughs> can I come? Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Anyway, let me just get back on track here. Um, okay. So this morning, uh, no, it's not morning. This evening, I want to share on the last days, um, but not in the way that you might think immediately when I speak about it. So, so open your hearts and, and be receptive um, to what it's going to be about. But um, I think um, most people will agree that we are in the last days. Um, it's, there's indications all around us, and, and there's a lot of doctrine and a lot of opinion, and there's um, more than enough conspiracy theories, and, but I believe that we are very close to the coming of Jesus. Um, and there's been many ideas about when is the last days. When is the last days? Because if, if they say in the last days with everything after Jesus came, when do we really know it to be the last days? And so um, I thought I would just make one reference, which is very in line with what we've been dealing on for the last while, that'll, that should settle it for us without going into too much of it. Um, so speaking about the last days, the prophet Joel prophesied, and you can put that scripture up, Joel, um, Joel chapter 2, 28 to 30. He said, it will come to pass afterwards that I will pour out, and he was speaking about the last days here if you read the context. It will come to pass afterwards that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy and your old men will dream dreams and your young men will see visions. And even on the male and female servants in those days, I'll pour out my spirit. And I'll show wonders in the heavens and on earth, blood and fire and columns of smoke. And just before Jesus ascended, because um, that's the time we find ourselves in now, just before he ascended in Acts 1, 5, um, he said, John baptized with water, but you will be baptized in the Holy Spirit. And then he said, not many days from now. So already there was no, for me, there was no wondering about when that's going to happen. He said, not many days from now. But then again, you never know, because a day can be a thousand years and can go anyway. But... Um, it happened exactly 10 days after Jesus went to be at the right hand of the Father. At Pentecost, the Holy Spirit came down. And, um, and let's read that. Um, this is what um, Andrew preached on recently, in that um, this is that. Uh, but let, let's just quickly read it again, Acts 2, verse 12. And all were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, what does this mean? But others mockingly said they're filled with new wine. But Peter, standing with the eleven... Sorry, with the eleven, lifted his voice and addressed them. He said, men, men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and give ear to my words. For these people aren't drunk, as you suppose. It's only the third hour of the day. But this, and in Andrew's speech, he said, this is that. That was the King James. Um, in the ESV, it says, but this is what was uttered through the prophet Joel. And in the last days, it'll be that God declares, and then he repeats what, what, we, uh, what we just read in Joel. And there, Peter confirms to them, this which just happened here, 10 days after Jesus left, is exactly what was prophesied. And so, we have Joel saying that when the Spirit is poured out, that's the last days. 
And then 380 years or odd later, Jesus tells him, tells them it's going to happen soon, and then it happens. And that's a fulfillment. So it's not difficult. The moment the Spirit was poured out, the last days commenced. That's the last days. So it was 2,000 years ago, so how lost it is, I know, <laughs> I mean, we'll, we'll never know that. But there's something brewing of an anticipation in my heart. And whether it's in my time or my children's time or my grandchildren's time, that doesn't really matter. And that's what I want to speak about tonight, about distractions um, in, the, in the light of the last days. Um, so let me just... Okay, so I've tried the tablet now. Next time I know the laptop is still better. It's jumping all over the place. Um, let me just see. Okay, so yeah, just uh, what I said there was, I don't want to speak about the sign of the times. We've all heard a, a lot of takes on this. But I do want to speak about uh, what I just said now. So let's just read from Matthew 24, um, 3 to 14. As he sat on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately saying, Tell us, when will these things be? And what will be the sign of your coming at the end of the age? So I'm just gonna, I'm not going to read every word, but, uh, but just to confirm what we have already heard and then sort of imagine whether this is the world at 2023 at the moment. I'm just going to jump through it. There's going to be people that are going to say they are the Christ. And when you look at when this was translated, it didn't say, it wasn't referring to someone calling themselves the, the Antichrist, because that's also a thing. But this was people saying, I am a savior. I have a solution for your troubles. And he was saying, there's going to be many people that's going to say, I'm your savior. I've got answers to your problems. And we're seeing that. No one's standing up um, on social media and saying, I'm Jesus. But we've got many people saying, I can be your savior, even when they're not uttering it in that way. So I just wanted to highlight that because I think sometimes we might be waiting for a literal word utterance that says someone is Christ. And then um, there will be wars, rumors of wars, Nation will rise against nation. We've seen all of that recently. Famines, which is hunger. Earthquakes, we're seeing it all over the place just now. Tribulation, etc. And you'll be hated by all nations for my name's sake. I think that's one of the places we, we, we're kind of off the hook still because we're probably hated in 99% of nations by, the, uh, by most people. But I think you're in there there's still a good standing with Christians. But it's increasingly, I don't know if you're experiencing that, but increasingly we are being hated by those who don't know Jesus. Um, and then, yeah, many will fall away. There will be many false prophets. Prophets, Lawlessness will be increased, and the love of many will grow cold. I'm not going to read it word for word now, but you've got the scripture reference. So those were the words of Jesus. And then um, also uh, Paul in 2 Timothy 3 said uh, a whole long bit, which a lot of us have heard before, 2 Timothy 3 verse 1 to 9, about how people will be in the last days. Lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, unholy, ungrateful, treacherous, reckless, swallowed with conceit. There's a whole list of things. Um, and that is the world that we are living in now. So that's just to settle any, any question about whether we are in the last days. We definitely are in the last days. But this, we've become so... Um, What's the English word? Our minds have become so busy with analyzing the details and people going through revelation word for word and this analysis of it that really what's happening is they're really missing the point of what we're supposed to be doing. They've been making an academic study of what it all means instead of what we should be keeping ourselves busy with. Um, there's debate, division, controversy, um, and that's why the moment you say the end times, already people start like, 
shifting in their seats a little bit. They're like, oh, my word, one more opinion. Um, because there are so many opinions out there. And um, I remember growing up, maybe it was wisdom beyond my years. Who knows? But <laughs> I remember my brother and sister would argue over every little, I mean, I also argued most of the time. But when I wasn't involved in the arguing, I would look at them arguing. And I would often say the words, um, you guys are talking about everything that doesn't matter in this argument. There's facts, and that's what you should be working with. There's so many other things that by the end of a three-hour argument, you're going to come to zero conclusion because you're not focusing on the main thing here. Um, so, and that's what, what I find people are doing. So what should we, because that's what the Pharisees did. They, were, they debated. They, uh, they, uh, they argued, they deliberated, that it was a, a thing, a culture in Jewish, Jewish culture. If you were a scholar of the Torah or whatever, you would sit around tables with a big beard and round glasses. Not then, they were now, but anyway. Um, and they would deliberate around it. And at the end of it, um, uh, as I recently shared, they were not transformed. They were just informed. That's, that's all that that did to them. Um, so we are to just honor follow and reflect Christ and eagerly anticipate his coming in these last days. So I want to just make a quick analogy to, to make it easier to sum up. I was just thinking of, of my childhood once again. So if a father tells his two, and I want us to just um, identify with this now. So if a father goes to his two sons before he leaves on a business trip and tells them, I'm going to leave now, and I want you guys, one of you must do the garden, and the other one must wash my motorbike. And I'm going to leave now, and it must be done before I get back. I'll be back, gone a few days. And then he tells them, I'm not sure how long I'm going to be. It really does depend on the nature of the business and what happens. But just have it done by the time I get back. And what we're really doing, because that's what Jesus said, and what, what we find people doing now is a few days have passed, in this case 2,000-odd years, and, 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 and now people are starting to say, okay, the, the, my father must be returning soon. But, but, but what people started to do was they looked to the skies to try and speculate which airplane is the dad landing, and they, they say, what time might he come? What is the, when does his business finish? And by the time the dad stops at home, the garden is not done, and the bike is not washed. And that's what's happening right now. We're so distracted with, with all that. He already guaranteed that we will not know the hour or the day. So figuring it out and all the ins and outs of it, I am so perfectly content not to know these things. And some people will put it under a facade of you must have a hunger for the word and increasing your knowledge of the word, but knowledge puffs up. Revelation is what's going to help you navigate these last days. And so um, that's where the famous last words come in. So we celebrated Easter last week, and we are now in the period between um, the resurrection and when Jesus returned back to be at the right hand of the Father. And I don't know about you, but for the first time, I really gave this some thought. And this, the Holy Spirit was speaking to me on this. And I was wondering, why is it that Jesus spent more time here? Why was he here for another 40 days on earth after he was resurrected? And the most obvious answer most certainly must be, well, he needed to prove that he was, there needed to be evidence that he was resurrected. And I completely agree. If he was never resurrected, then there would be no, um, and there's a lot of people with different opinions. Some people say he only appeared to the, um, to the disciples, and so there's not much evidence. But, but when, they, when, they, um, when they read other accounts, um, non-religious accounts of these events, there's many accounts that confirm that he appeared to more than 500 people in that time. So it's real. It happened. And 
But that's just the one side of it. Um, and then when the Holy Spirit spoke to me, I, he asked me the question, what were my words in these days? And, and that for me, yeah, let me just not digress too much, but that's what I want to share on. It wasn't just that he wanted to provide evidence of his resurrection. It was he had 33 years of, well, he lived for 33 years as a human. He had three and a half or so years of ministry. So why take just six weeks and say, that's the time I want to spend for Olas. What's a nice English word? For all time's sake. Um, and he said things. And all four of the Gospels record these things that he said. And there's a golden thread of about three points that he made sure. And I don't know if you know this, but he didn't appear to all the disciples at the same time. They were all scattered a bit all across the, the, the place. So he went to this group, and, they, and he said this. And one of them recorded that. And then he went to that group, and they recorded the same thing. So he said the same thing to all of them, with the exception of one. But that was, for me, like, if that's the thing that Jesus decided as his famous last words, the things that I'll leave you with, I said hundreds of things during my time of ministry, but these are the things that I need you to really remember. If you only remember this, then it's these three things. Um, and, yeah, let me just skip past it. Okay, there we go. So let's, uh, let's what did I do here? Okay, so I'm going to read it. It's about two verses from each gospel, just to, to establish that, that golden thread. So first from Matthew 28, um, 18 to 20. And Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded. And behold, I am with you always, until the end of the age. Just a note, he says, I'm with you, and then he leaves. So that's a hint already. Okay, Mark 16, verses 15 to 18. And he said to them, go to the world and proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. And then in verse 17, and, and these signs will accompany those who believe. In, um, in my name they'll cast out demons, they'll speak in new tongues, and they'll pick up serpents with their hands. And if they drink deadly poison, it won't hurt them. They will lay their hands on the sick and they will recover. Okay, third. Luke 24, verses 47 to 49. And that repentance for the forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all the nations, beginning from Jerusalem. You are my witnesses of these things. And then he says, Behold, I'm sending you the promise of my Father. Uh, sorry. I'm sending the promise of my Father upon you. But stay in the city until you're clothed with the, with the power from on high. And lastly, from John... He says, sorry, Jesus said to them, that's John 20, verse 21 and 22. Jesus said to them, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I'm sending you. And when he said this, he breathed on them and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. And then one more uh, portion of scripture from John, which um, adds the, that third point, which he only said um, to Peter. So that's from John 21, 15 to 17. Now remember that Peter was the disciple who he said, on you I will build my church. It was the first, let's call it, father of the church. So, and he, he said to him this, um, 21, 15 to 17. When they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? And he said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, feed my lambs. He said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know I love you. He said, tend my sheep. 
He said to him a third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. And Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. So that's the golden thread. Those last three topics that Jesus said, I want to cover before going back to the Father, was receive, and this is what we're supposed to be keeping ourselves busy with. It's, it's, it, that, it's not in funny hieroglyphics. It's right in front of us. Receive the Holy Spirit, which means we must be open to letting him work in us, but not only in us, because that's where most people stop, but also through us. The second, make disciples and baptize them, which refers to evangelism, bringing in the lost. And finally, feed my sheep or tend to my sheep, meaning to look after those in the household of faith. So the reason this is important and the reason we can't afford to be plain spotting and speculating before dad comes home is because Jesus is coming back to a bride that is without spot or blemish. And this is not a fairy tale. I can remember these old books that we had as kids with the six million characters all in one picture, foxy, a bird at the back. And it's not a fairy tale with a bunch of stories. It's, a, it's real. This is reality. Um, someone recently, I heard someone say that the Christians believe all these things because it gives us a sense of hope. I said, you're not wrong. <laughs> Definitely, I need hope in this world. But that's not all it is. It's the truth. And only I can, well, not only I, anyone who's experienced the Holy Spirit can tell you that. Um, that's the evidence. It's the evidence of seeing things unseen. Um, okay. So, Martin, I have a question so I'm going to ask a question. As a firearm enthusiast, so my, I've got four questions about that. The first one is, if you, if you have a round of ammunition, but there's no gun, will, will the round serve its course? If there's ammo and no gun. If there's a round in a gun, but that round has no gunpowder in it, will that serve its course? <laughs> Don't get technical. <laughs> if the round had gunpowder in it, but there was no firearm to shoot it from, will it serve its course? And the very one, last one is, if everything is in order, there's a bullet, there's a gun, there's actually gunpowder in the bullet, but this gun is never cleaned or maintained, will it serve its course accurately and safely? And the answer is no. And in this analogy, because I like analogies, the church is a firearm. It's a vehicle of creating impact. You are that round of ammunition. The Holy Spirit, the gunpowder. And, and that's the thing that enables us to be impactful as we should be. Um, those who are still lost is the target, and the cleaning is the care for the sheep. And you'll see why I'm making this point now. Ephesians, and this, is, this was cool, because I, I just read through it again, because um, they really, I was struggling to, to find a way to, to transition this, and the Lord spoke to me through Ephesians 4, um, verse 11 and 12. He gave apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, and teachers, and this should be familiar to most of us, to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, for building up the body of Christ. And it was so um, beautiful. And, and 
and I hope most people understand that that fivefold ministry is not only for a select few. Not everyone will be an apostle or a prophet or a teacher or an evangelist or a pastor or whatever. Everyone's got a calling, but that's not just for the top 10% in the hierarchy, which, by the way, is non-existent, because <laughs> we're a priesthood of all believers. It's a, it's a role, we, and that's why I didn't refer to Bob tonight as Pastor Bob, although it has a cool ring to it, uh, but um, it's the only time I want to name a British man in an American action, Pastor Bob. It sounds good. <laughs> Um, but we are all called in some sort of one of those roles, um, and there's other spiritual gifts as well. But, but as I was looking at this, it made so much sense that this is why we build the church, well, why God is building his church in this manner, using that fivefold ministry. Because the apostolic and the prophetic, oftentimes what you'll see is the Spirit isn't working at all, either at all or it's just haywire or something's not going well. And, the, and then there's impartation of those, and you see the Spirit starting to take shape and work well within that context, because that's prompted. And then you have an evangelist, which we just spoke about that, to go out into all the nations. And then a very important one, shepherding, pastoring, teaching, and that comes into play when finally people are drawn into the family, because you can't pastor someone if there's no one to pastor. And, um, and that's what... It's about equipping the saints, equipping everyone to be those things, but being equipped by those people too. So it's a nice um, life cycle there. So looking at these three, and that's, that's the one I really want to focus on tonight, is being filled with the Holy Spirit, but also how that, how that ties in with the other two. So I find it very profound, um, going through all of this, that Jesus chose to say this in Luke um, 27. We already looked at it, but we'll look at it again. Luke 20, uh, 24, he said, And the repentance for the forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations, beginning in Jerusalem. You are my witnesses of these things. Behold, I'm sending the promise of my Father upon you. And then this was very profound. But stay in the city until you are closed with the power from on high. And that's because we can't afford to go into all the world if we are not clothed with the power of the Holy Spirit. It's, it's pointless. It, uh, we, we, we need not evangelize and pastor if, if uh, we, we can't do it. The Holy Spirit needs to infill us. Otherwise, we get back to being like the Pharisees, studying Scripture, becoming puffed up with knowledge, and doing lectures. The Holy Spirit is the one that makes that happen. Mark 16 says why it's important to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Okay. Um, and I want to skip to 17, verse 17. Sorry, Joel, I'm all over the place. These signs will accompany those who believe. In my name, they will cast out demons, they will speak in tongues, etc., um, etc. Et but that's the important part. These signs will accompany those. So the work of the Spirit is often referred to as a sign because really that's what it is. So what he's saying is I'm asking you to go into the world and to perform a certain task. And I know that you walked with me and you saw me performing signs on the earth. And of course, they must, must have been thinking, but Jesus, if you're not here, how will people believe? And that's what he told them. He said, this is my guarantee to you, that if you are filled with the Holy Spirit, I will send signs to accompany your mission. And that will be the evidence. So that's the first reason it's so important to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Otherwise, it's just words. And secondly, it produces fruit in us. And that's the only thing we ought to look at when we're, when we're looking at our leaders, at those who we are discipling, who's discipling us, is their fruit. That's the only thing that speaks. 
Just the fruit, not the words. And so we have to have the fruits, and we have to have the power. And that's why I said it's so important. We can't only have the Holy Spirit working in us, because most people believe the Holy Spirit, because the Holy Spirit is the helper and the comfort and all those things, but it doesn't just stop there. There's also the power of the Holy Spirit that needs to work through us. So looking at Romans chapter 10, takes us to the second one, to evangelize. So now we're equipped with the Holy Spirit, and now we need to go into all the world. So Romans chapter 10, 13 to 15 says, Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then will they call on, on him in whom, he, um, sorry, in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. And that is the Great Commission. So a company has values and mission statement and vision statement. And Jesus said, this is the Great Commission. Go out and make disciples. But wait for the Holy Spirit before you do that. So we're filled with the Holy Spirit. Now we go out into the world. And that's the only way we can do it. We cannot fabricate transformation in the world without the Holy Spirit. Only the Holy Spirit can bring that about. And finally, pastoring. Um, so this is the bit about caring to feed the sheep. And that is and pastoring is not pastor is not a title. It's not something you write down when someone asks what's your occupation. A pastoring is a role. It's shepherding. It's looking after people and loving people. And we're all called to be pastors. 2 Timothy 4, from verses 1 to 7 says, I charge you in the presence of God and Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by his, and by his appearing and his kingdom, preach the word, be ready in and out of season. And this is not for elders. This is for you. Be ready in and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching. For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. And for you, always be sober-minded. Enduring suffering, do the work of an evangelist. Fulfill your ministry. I'm already, and this is Paul saying at the end of his ministry, I'm already being poured out as a drink offering. And in the time of my and the time of my departure has come, I've fought the good fight, and I've finished the race, and I've kept the faith. Will you be able to say that if Jesus came or your life ended? And then in Acts 20, 28 to 29, pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. Take care of the church of God, which you obtained with his own blood. I know that after my departure, fierce wolves will come in amongst you. This is not just from outside, amongst us. And that's why we have to tend to the sheep, all of us together, with the leading of the elders. I remember, um, and, this, uh, and this is drawing to a close, and then hopefully we'll wrap it. And I remember my first meeting um, in George was in February 2020, and the very first preach when I got here was about the ten virgins. And, it, um, and I, I knew it, but it, it got a whole meaning for me at the time. And, and this is talking about the bride. Because while we're speculating on the day and the hour and the ways and tribulation or not tribulation or seven or three and a half years, all that really mattered was that we wouldn't fall asleep. So in Matthew 25, verse 1 to 13, I, I would like to just read through it. 
Then the kingdom of heaven will be like ten virgins who took their lamps and went to meet the bridegroom. This is us when we gave our lives to Jesus. We went and we met the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish and five were wise. For when the foolish took their lamps, they took no oil with them, but the wise took flasks of oil with their lamps. And the bridegroom was delayed. And as the bridegroom was delayed, they all became drowsy and slept. And I'm, I don't have scripture to back this up right now, but it is there. Maybe Benny can reference me later, uh, reference the scripture. But, but the word says that God will delay the coming of the second kingdom for the sake of souls to be saved. So God will delay his coming. Um, I, not only shouldn't we know his, at the time of his coming, but also he knew that he was willing, he was willing to delay his coming. Because he, need, he wants as many as possible people to get on, the, to get on that. Um, I want to say bandwagon, but it sounds very shallow. It's not a bandwagon. It's real. Um, uh, as, okay, so let's, let's go on. As the bridegroom was delayed, this is now, 2,000 years later, they all became drowsy and slept. But at midnight, there was a cry, here's the bridegroom, come out to meet him. Then all those virgins rose and trimmed their, la- trimmed their lamps. And the foolish said to the wise, Give us some of your oil, for our lamps are going, going out. But the wise answered, saying, Since we will not have enough for ourselves and for you, go rather to the dealers and buy for yourself. And while they were going to buy, the bridegroom came, and those who were ready went with him to the marriage feast, and the door was shut. Afterward, the other virgins came also, saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answered, Truly I say to you, I do not know you. And these were five of the virgins that were waiting outside for 2,000 years. But they weren't ready. And he says, I don't know you. And the door was shut. Watch therefore, for you know not the day or the hour. We can't afford to be distracted. I'm sorry, just one last, uh, almost through the scriptures. Matthew 7 Verse 14, the gate is narrow, the way is hard that leads to life, and those who find it are few. Um, we had a girl at youth uh, about a year and a half ago. Uh, Nick Sophos was coming to share that night, and I remember for some odd reason we weren't spread across evenly. Everyone was sitting in a bundle there, and he was sort of speaking like this. And I remember him saying this. He said, not everyone that's in this room will finish this race. It's a reality. And someone was very offended by this. They, they really, it was quite a, a scene. Because this person was deceived to believe that as long as you've done it once, you're going to be fine. But this person, he said you have to run the race, endure it. And that's how you get. Because there's a narrow path and there's a narrow gate. And there's side roads too. For the runners, they'll see it in the mountains. There's the jeep tracks. Ask Oki. Oki Dini. But there's the tracks and there's those ones that connect the roads in between. And at every opportunity where the enemy can do it, he will give you a detour to the broad path. And he does that. Hebrews 12, they say, Therefore, since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let's lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let's run with endurance the race that's set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and the perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross, despising, um, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. We can't afford to sit on the city walls waiting for a coming king to the city. We must get the city's affairs in order 
in order. Because when he comes and he goes through those city doors and those city walls and the village is in a state, then it's going to be too late. So I have an excitement to meet with the bridegroom because even though I haven't figured it out yet, everything, none of us have, I know that that is my sole mission, to get closer and closer to Jesus. And if there are things, if you can honestly think about it for a moment and say that I'm so happy to leave everything that I'm working on so hard behind, if Jesus told me I'm coming now, that's great. But if you can't say that you are excited like a four-year-old on his birthday to receive the gift when you think about the coming of Jesus, we need that assurance. We need to know that we're doing the right thing. And that's what, and that's what I think the, re, the response is tonight really is that I feel like, like, the, like the Lord is saying, you've got a mission. I gave it to you. It's called the Great Commission. Go out, make disciples. And when they come in, pastor them and love them and care for them. But none of this can you, you can. It won't bear much fruit. But none of this you can do without the Holy Spirit. And um, I think, Benny, would you like to, to, to just, yeah, take it from there? Because I think that's, that's the response, is the Holy Spirit. So even tonight, um, I was feeling just in the Lord, a lot of the ladies came with their trust and obey. And um, Bob shared it at the prayer meeting. But a lot of the ladies saying, it's just that calling on the Lord um, and, and trusting Him. I, I really feel that in that, that's the Holy Spirit. We need the Holy Spirit to do that. You see, this trust, this witness that we have only comes, I can only trust what I know, what God reveals to me in him, Himself. And um, yeah, so I just felt just for that, for us, even tonight, I, I mean, we have the privilege of knowing people in the church and knowing you intimately, closely. We, we try and connect as much with you guys. But can you all honestly say that, like, like Stephen shared about the Holy Spirit, you know, you talk about the ten, the, the virgins, you know, five were foolish, five were wise. They were all virgins, which means they were all pure. They were the reflection, they were the church. They had lamps, they all had lamps. They all had oil in their lamps. The only difference is the others didn't have the spare oil. And um, I just felt in, that, in line with that, really what that speaks about, are you constantly being filled with the Spirit? Are you constantly in a place where as we do this thing, this, this thing of church and loving people and going out and making disciples, it takes, it takes, of takes of you. It, it, it takes everything of us. And so we've got to be standing in a place where we're saying, God, keep filling me, keep filling me, keep filling me. And it happens in our intimacy with Him. It happens in our worship times, our one-on-ones with Him. And I want us to be a church that's on fire. I can't light the fire in you. I can't. It's like that, that, that Scripture says, they will come to the other virgins and say, come and give us some of your oil. I cannot give you my oil. And I want to ask, even this evening, are all of you filled with the Spirit? Do you have extra oil? Are you constantly being in a place where you're saying, God, I want to be filled because I know I can't do anything without you. I can't go and disciple people. I can't give them the gospel outside of the Holy Spirit because we're imparting something of our faith. And that faith can only be imparted through the Holy Spirit. And I want to say to you guys, if you are on the outside and you can inform people but you'll know if you like that. 
I mean, there were many times I would go to people and I wanted to just share the God, and I, would, I wouldn't impart faith. I would just say, I would just maybe share a little message to them and walk my way. But there was no transition of imparting spiritual truths. It was just informative. And I really felt in those moments that, God, I didn't trust your Holy Spirit. I didn't have you speaking through me. Because it's, the Bible says it's even through the Holy Spirit that it, it's in His Spirit that, that it implores through us. It's like calling the world to be reconciled with God. It's, it's something that happens in our spirit. So we can't even witness without the Spirit. That's what Jesus said to His disciples. Wait for me before you go and witness because you can't witness outside of me. And so I, I want to encourage you guys, this, even this this, this evening, that who here is filled with the Spirit? Who here is constantly in the place? Who feels they need to be filled with the Spirit? I think we need to respond, even this evening. And I, I felt for Vachis. I, funny enough, I think there was a little bit of a miscommunication even this evening. I felt to push in, in that, because I really feel the Holy Spirit needs to witness with us. And I want to say, if you, you're the person that you feel you've been standing outside of the shower and the shower's been pouring down on people, I want to encourage you to take a faith step this evening. It's not before man, it's before the Lord. That you take a faith step and you come before Him and you say, God, please come and shower me. Come and fill me up with your Holy Spirit. And I feel in that that God will respond. So can we, can we do that tonight before we close? Let's just come before Him. Vachis, um, Kian. I don't know if you guys have got that, but let's come before the Lord this evening and, and just really, church, this is not a nice to have. This is not a, this is what Jesus has promised us. This is the very thing that He's guaranteed us. This is a seal that we have. This is what empowers us to do what we call to do. Without the Holy Spirit, we can do nothing. And so I, I do believe that, that when, we, when we get baptized, we have the Holy Spirit because we baptize in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. But the, I, I do see that there were many times that Jesus breathed over His disciples, the Holy Spirit. There were moments that they were going to do something, and, and, and the Holy Spirit, there was a filling of the Holy Spirit. So we do see that in Scripture. So, yes, there is that thing of baptism, and I have the Holy Spirit in me. So we don't wait for the Holy Spirit, but we do wait in the Holy Spirit. We do wait on the Holy Spirit. And so I, I want us to do that this, this evening. And, and can I say, is there anybody that has never been filled with the Spirit? Because I feel today is the day that you respond to that. Anybody here that's never done it, that you said, God, come, I want to be filled with your Spirit. But then maybe there is some that has been, but you've just lost that. I want you to respond to Him tonight. Not to me. We can pray for you, because I do see that in Scripture. We're laying, people, laying hands on people and praying the Holy Spirit on you. Maybe you've become dry. Maybe you become barren in yourself. I want to pray that the Holy Spirit waters you this evening and fills you up to overflowing. Like John 4, when he says to that Samaritan woman, that from you will come rivers of living water. Don't you want that? That just flows out of you. That people just recognize this is God working in you. It's not natural. It's God working. God's responding. Man, I want to be the kind of guy that walks out in the street and people just know. I, I don't believe in sensationalism, which believes that the gifts are finished. I don't believe that. How is it that Jesus can give the command to the disciples and say, you know, this is the command. Go make disciples. But you know what? You guys are the only people that are going to have the power to do this. 
How does that make sense? How does anybody really believe that the gift of the Holy Spirit is ceased? It's, it's finished. You, man, then we had a disadvantage because we got the gospel to go and give, but we don't have the power to do it. And I want to say today the day is the day that God wants to empower us, church. We're going to be the church that's standing up for Jesus with power. But we can only do it in the Holy Spirit. Come, let's, let's respond to Him this evening in worship.